Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in wide. Close by Bishop. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast on an unreliable release schedule, but still unaffiliated, unfiltered and completely uninformed. It's your Don's podcast and with us tonight bringing some illumination as the nights draw in. We've got Martin Ingram. Uh, Martin, is it right to still call you a t- uh, the Red Final contributor? Bring us some hope that that esteemed organ might rise again. Yeah, we might we might get to a situation where uh, we might have to refer to us as a now defunct Red Final as well. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, regardless, I'm glad you still feel I'm worthy enough to invite to invite <laughs> my inactivity. Um, then uh, he might not be very good, but he was very available. It's Philip Mayer. Philip, um, if we checked your Google search history and weeded out the risque stuff, uh, would we see any searches for tattoo removal companies? Well, it's it's looking more likely by the day, but I'm I'm still holding out the slimmest of hopes that um, I might get to keep this big beer mount on my leg a bit longer. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know, Philip has a Christian Ramirez tattoo on his thigh. Um, hey, you got a free top out of it. I did get a free top out of it, but he's now number 99, so now it looks like a weird shrine to the 2009 Ronaldo. <laughs> I, I did see that... Uh... Philip had shared a bit on his social media not long ago about how um, he'd added uh, another nine on Red Biro. I'm not sure if he's thinking about doing that in a, on a permanent basis, but uh, even yeah. that might not hold for a, a few days longer. If someone can supply some red ink and a, and a needle for a second paper, I might try it. Ooh, homemade one. Um, there's that tattoo fixes program. I wonder what they could do with it. Um, anyway, uh, finally, uh, joining us as well tonight, as clued up as Dundee United's defensive coach, it's Martin Clunas. Uh, Martin, I just couldn't put us through having to find new ways to discuss this in Johnson Aberdeen match last weekend. I, I hope you understand. Oh, no, that's fine. I mean, um, somebody actually asked me on the way to the game on Saturday why we didn't do one. And I said, look, we've been doing this for what is it, six seasons, six, something like that. I says, I just know, I don't want to watch a St. Johnston game anymore, never mind, speak about it. Well, two Saturday then, and a bumper return of Dawn's goals. However, it wasn't all smooth sailing, and much like St. Mirren's visit a few weeks earlier, it was a very close encounter until a brainless red card from the visitors. In fact, calling it close might be a bit of a bit of a lie, frankly, because the first 39 minutes, Livingston had more of the ball, Pretty level in XG, but I mean, if you're looking at the clearest opportunity, it was probably definitely that uh, long free kick loaded into the box where they got a free header about eight yards out. It's a it's a good save from Kellerus because it's down at his feet and albeit it was sort of at him, but it's still difficult to sometimes make that save for goalkeepers when it is the header is played low down. 
they always looked comfortable in possession and we never looked like we were really going to get them out of position or create too much, Philip, in that opening 40 minutes. To me, it was, it was sort of similar to uh, how we looked at the opening, opening a little bit against Motherwell and St Mirren. Um, I don't know why it is. We just seem to struggle against against a, a more physical team than us. Um, you know, the, the striker, Nubly, who's you know caused problems for everyone this season, seemed to just have the likes of the, the Stewart and, and Scales kind of on the ropes a little bit. But, um, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're going to have to weather storms in games no matter who you're playing so it was it was quite nice that we managed to get through it without any sort of scathing issues like a goal and martin that is a key point it's a 90 minute game and part of that game during those 90 minutes is keeping the head and um as Declan gallagher felt a few weeks ago it was uh the turn of a livingston center half uh, fitzwater this time uh, because it's um it's dumb isn't it uh your former red final colleague um Chris Crichton in today's PNJ talks about the, the sort of uh, limited rewards that teams like Livingston, and frankly, to be honest, probably teams like us as well, get from playing the ball out short in that the risk reward is probably heavily weighted towards the risk. And uh, Saturday was a good example of that. Yeah, I think it's always going to be difficult because teams are always going to be judged by whether that goes right or wrong for them on a, in a particular game. Um yeah, Chris was right in the article is when I guess maybe maybe unfair to say that uh, Livingston are uh, technically less capable than some of the other teams in, in in the Scottish Premiership, but they're definitely not Manchester City or Liverpool. So, uh, and and I think that's a an issue that we experienced twelve months ago, and and you know potentially might be an issue that we might have with with some of the players in our own team is that um, unless you're in a position to bring in that absolutely top level central defender that's comfortable with the ball at their feet and comfortable playing out, then, um, you know, it's, it's a simple uh, arithmetic there is that if you lose the possession in your own penalty box, then more often than not, that's going to lead to a goal scoring opportunity for their team. And that's exactly what happened. Um, for the for, for well, well not the first goal but for the penalty which led to in the first goal. Um, I did also catch though that um, on sports scene afterwards, I think Michael Stewart was really critical of the central defender in not dealing with the the situation. You know, sometimes I think if if you if if the goalkeeper has effectively given you a bit of a hospital pass and you maybe need to just bite the bullet and either play the ball back or put it out for a throw in, but. I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Bejelin in relation to that as well, because he's actually made up a good... It's, it's not like he was on top of him from the very start. He actually has sprinted out and made up a good 10, 15 metres to get to the central defender. So that so so by the time Fitzwater's turned around, Bejelin's right on top of him. And I think it's just a, a, a human reaction that you kind of panic under the situation. Try, try, try and play yourself out of it when you maybe don't have the ability to do so. But I think you've actually got to give a lot of credit to Bejelin. I think he's done a lot of good work, not only in harrying him in possession, but he's actually done really good. He's just stuck a boot in to nick the ball away from him. And yeah, once once he's got goal side of him, it's, it's over. And Fitzwater... He's made. It's an again. It's an understandable. It's an emotional reaction. I think that he knows he's been beaten. All ends up. He's he's tried to recover it, but he's ended up just tumbling in the box. And then of course you've got the the double penalties. Not only have he conceded the actual penalty, but 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 he's off as well. And 
Um, while you were absolutely right, we had a really torrid 30, 35 minutes before that, really, once once we had the penalty award and the goal, um, we never looked back. I think that is a really important point to make, Martin. Uh, other Martin, there's, um, there is a lot of credit to uh, Bazui, uh, just like there was against St Mirren. You know, we we forced Declan Gallagher into those two yellow cards. Uh, Bazui was central to the, the second one as well. And um, it, it is just because of his actions uh, making something happen. Um, one criticism I would have of Bazui since he came into the side is that, you know, we're not maybe getting the numbers from him that... Uh, we might want for someone that started so many games in terms of assists, maybe in terms of goals. But uh, do you feel he's beginning to find his way into the team now and beginning to contribute a bit more? I wouldn't quite call it no attacking from the front, and I wouldn't call it sort of like I was Martin mentioned. You know, it's not quite Manchester City and Liverpool. Um, you know, I mean, we're certainly not you know doing that really high press kind of thing, but. Seeing him doing that, where we know he's got pace, we know he can, we know he can get, you know, get in people's faces, and he's he can quite, he's quite nippy. Um, so seeing him doing that is, you know, is is good. I want, and I'd like, to, hopefully, that means we can see more of that sort of thing from him. Seeing a bit more creative um, things from him too it was good. To obviously, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to the fact that he took the penalty and he got himself, he got himself a goal, which is nice to see. Hopefully, then it gives him a bit more confidence, um, but. I think Saturday, I was I was I was quite impressed with him. Um, I was quite impressed with a lot of his. You know, once we once we got in front, um, you know, lazy to say that there was only going to be one winner. But um, this this the spell in the second half where we just sort of put the foot down. I read some stuff afterwards criticizing David Martindale. Martindale's a decent manager for the level we're at, um, and you know we know find that Livingston are capable of organizing a team to just shut other teams down, even with ten men. We've seen him do it before, um, so I was really impressed that you know we went out and we we didn't just think right this is one 0 okay they're going to just sit back and try and counter us. It's like no let's go and let's go and get the take the game with them, let's go and get no get some goals. And I thought I thought we were excellent after that and you know Bazuma was just was was really cr- crucial to that. Yeah, Philip, um, playing against ten men certainly isn't always easy, and credit to the side for making it look that way in those home games against the Mariner Livingston. And I, I don't know if you want to speak a bit more about uh, Bazoo. And I think certainly there have been lots of neat flicks and touches so far, but to see him contribute more directly to end product is, is encouraging. The way the way I look at um, Sowen is obviously the same way I look at St. Maxman as a Newcastle fan. You know, for the past couple of seasons, he's kind of provided that unpredictability, which is what I think Vinny really brings to the team. Whereas now it's nice to kind of see him maybe contributing more in terms of sort of tangible numbers, you know, maybe goals and assists this year. Um, but I thought a lot of his, his play down the wing um, was, yeah, it was it was really neat and it really did just open Livingston up. I think we've seen that more in the second half when we tried to stretch the game a bit wider um, when they were down to 10. So I think, you know, between, between Hayes on one side and, and, and Bissouin on the other, I think, um, you know, we really kind of exploited where where we needed to um, and where we probably should have looked to more in the first half. Let's talk a little bit more then, probably coming down to style of play, Martin Ingram, because with that first goal, you might think, oh, we, we're a team that always presses high, but there's not too much evidence of that. In terms of how we're playing it out from the back, um, Jim Goodwin said after the game on, on Saturday that uh, he talked about Kelly distribution being key in the way we want to play. Now, 
I had assumed as much when he was brought in in the summer that this would be a guy that would be much more comfortable with the ball at his feet than than Joe Lewis, um, for whom that was definitely a criticism. I've not seen that much evidence so far. And looking at the raw numbers from Saturday, I mean, his past success rate was only 62% on Saturday. It's only averaged 68% for the season. And his effectiveness when he is sort of trying to do more than just a basic ball out to his centre-backs. You know, we saw Liam Kelly come up here with Motherwell and, and play a number of really accurate, effective balls up to his advanced full-backs. We haven't seen anything like that from Kel Roos, have we? Not yet. I think, I suppose, an important thing to start with is, uh, I don't know, this was picked up at the very start in the season, we are dealing with not only a goalkeeper in, in Roos, but a back five where essentially all of our first choice players have only arrived at the club this summer. Um, so we've got a very small sample size of, you know, eight or nine games right now. So I think we do have to give the entire team a bit of time just to, to, to bed in before we can make big judgments. But it was definitely, I mean, I would assumed the big reason that Roos was going to be playing over Lewis was the, the distribution, I think. Um, He's definitely he's definitely shown up his chops in terms of his uh, shot saving ability and the the save he made in the first half was a great example of that. Um, but you know, Joe Lewis on his day was a pretty capable shot stopper as well. Um, he's clearly not a goalkeeper that's going to be commanding his six yard line and coming out and taking high balls. In fact, quite the opposite. He seemed very reluctant to come off of his line. So the 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 big factor that you would expect to get from him is someone who's a bit more comfortable with distributing the ball. Uh, I'd agree he's maybe not as, that's not been as evident maybe over the first few games so far, but I think it's also an aspect of you need to to become comfortable because exactly what we're looking at on the other end with the situation where Fitzwater has been held to account for losing the goal or, or losing the penalty. Uh, for Livingston on on Saturday. So how, how much of that is the fault of Fitzwater and how much of that is the fault of the goalkeeper of putting his central defender in a position where he's not comfortable? Um, and I think there's just going to be a natural feeling out over the next few months between Roos and how, how comfortable he is. So, you know, in in the comparable situation, if he was putting that ball out to Anthony Stewart, um, how how comfortable have you felt about Anthony Stewart being the kind of player that can comfortably take a ball and and, and distribute the ball out of central defence? I, I I have concerns with regards to that as well. Um, so you know, part of it is how good is a, is a, a goalkeeper at distributing balls, what kind of range they have, but how how much confidence does he have in his other players in order to be able to execute that? And again, I think it was a big problem with um, it was obviously something that Stephen Glass was really keen to try and emphasise early on in in his career with Aberdeen. But again, he simply just didn't have the players in order to execute that. Lewis certainly wasn't as comfortable a goalkeeper in that role. And we kept on seeming to be getting in defenders. That, that was why I found it baffling when Declan Gallagher was one of the player, early players to come in. And again, it may not have been entirely under. Uh, that, that might be the deal that was made before Glass had even been considered. But um, Gallagher came in and he clearly wasn't that type of defender. Um, and then we brought in someone like David Bates, where I think I remember you having an interview with somebody from um, who covered Hamburg and was saying the, the one main reason why that, that he didn't make it Hamburg in the first place was he wasn't particularly um, accomplished with with the ball at his feet and distributing. Um, with regards to what we have, I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on Anthony Stewart with that as well. I think he's been brought in to be more the kind of coordinator, the leader in the central defence. Um, 
I've, I've no doubt he's got, you know, he, he, he's someone that probably wants to defend in a way that others don't, but I'm not sure if he's as comfortable at, with the ball at his feet. Whereas Liam Scales, I think, looks more like the kind of defender that would be able to do that. And, and certainly the two fullbacks want to get the ball at their feet and they want to be able to push forward. So, yeah, that's just a very long-winded way of saying I think it's a working pro. Well, whatever is being done, it, it is at least working in terms of clean sheets, back-to-back clean sheets for the first time this season. Uh, and in fact, first time we've had back-to-back clean sheets in the league since January 2021. Um, so uh, not not great numbers as far as clean sheets go, and that was definitely the Achilles heel last season. Um, so, you know, we can fix that. And if we're down to querying a goalkeeper's distribution stats instead of, um, instead of how many goals he's letting in, then that's probably a good thing. I just find it... Uh, I just thought it was worth the kind of invest, you know, a little bit more of a deep dive into that because I'm, I'm not quite seeing the evidence of that yet. It's a bit like last season when the manager was telling us that certain things were happening, but there wasn't really any evidence of it. You know, wasn't any evidence of us being a high press side. Wasn't really too much evidence of being a high intensity team. Anyway, somebody who would have received a lot of praise had we done a podcast last week would have been Leighton Clarkson uh, because he scored that magnificent goal, obviously at Perth. Um, quiet on Saturday. Now, I suppose one worldy every two starts is an acceptable return. I think there was definitely an argument, Philip, that when Bazui played at number 10, the midfield two weren't perhaps getting enough support when we were without the ball in particular and certainly could find themselves outnumbered. A little bit of that, I think, in the first half, half hour, 40 minutes on Saturday. What do you think the best combination at four, eight, and ten is? Uh, no, I say four, not six. Um, see, it's a tough one. I I felt a bit bad for Clarkson on Saturday. I feel like he had no real defined role. Um, you know, at one point I was like, oh, he's playing as the ten. And then I was like, oh, he's on the right wing now. And then he was in holding midfield. So I didn't really know, you know, what what the the outline for his role was on Saturday. So I felt he maybe went a little bit missing and couldn't get involved in playing as much. Your, your sort of midfield three, I mean, on on Saturday, I would have probably just went for a flat three with um, Ramadan and Clarkson and um, McCrory, because obviously that's what was at our disposal, really. Um, and I think as a flat three, just sort of interchanging who goes box to box would have probably been a bit better for us in the first half. I think obviously when Barron's fit, you're most likely looking at him coming in, and I would say playing the 10 with um, McCrory and Ramadani a bit deeper because they seem like more natural ball winners. Um, but I mean, it, it's it's tough. I mean, Goodwin's brought in a lot of players this season. Um, obviously, he's, he's liked to change up the role that, that he's got the seven playing. So I think, especially Tuesday night, we'll probably see maybe an experimental midfield. Um, maybe he'll put Duke in behind the striker or Duke on the wing and somebody else in behind the striker. Um, so I think it'll, it'll mainly just be a sort of trial and error with, with, with what works in different situations. You know, similar to I thought Clarkson was maybe not physical enough physical enough for teams like, like Motherwell and um, Livingston, which we sort of seen. You know, he, he went into a 50-50 and, and picked up a bit of a knock um, and sort of didn't really look like himself after that. So um, it's, it's kind of situational to who you put in the midfield to, to suit the needs. Uh, Martin Ingram, I get, uh, we, when we initially spoke about Clarkson, I... I... You know, I think the comparisons were clearly being made with James Madison a few weeks ago. And I do recall a lot of the same kind of concerns coming out. I mean, we look back now at that loan spell of James Madison and, and think it was glorious, magnificent every week. But I remember the same 
question marks and the same conversations happening about Madison and his maybe lack of physicality and his uh, inability to win 50-50s and maybe not contributing enough defensively. Do you see any similarities there as well? Or? I think there's a lot of similarities. Um, if, if, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to take... Uh, can, I, can I take your uh, pass to Philip about the 4-8-10 formation and run with that? Because I think it is quite interesting. Um, also... What what a time, Richard, to say that you're you're it's a four and not a six when uh, our very own greatest number four, Russell Anderson, uh, central defender, is going to the Hall of Fame. I think it's quite a controversial statement to me. Um, but yeah, if 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 you're talking about what the preferred setup would be, it's 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 interesting that I think Jordan Clarkson at the moment is um, kind of caught between. Are we going to play him as part of a kind of traditional midfield three, or are you going to kind of push him a bit further up? Because I think where he probably is more effective is being the furthest forward of the midfield three and almost being that number ten, but not really a number ten insofar as I, I don't think we have anybody in the squad who is naturally what you what what would be what James Madison was for us, um, a, an actual attacking midfielder or a person that would just float in that space between the midfield and, and up front as I said the closest thing you're going to get is either um, you either ask uh, Bejui to come across cut you to occupy that central kind of role but I don't think that's naturally what, what I think he's more of a forward a, 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 than, than, than an attacking midfielder um, and on the other hand Jordan Clarkson I think he's more of a midfielder than an attacking midfielder but I think he is the most ability to be able to move further forward among of of that midfield three and and take up that role you know it's 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 that age-old thing is that i always keep thinking with regards to this at times where we've had plugs you mentioned james madison i was always thinking kenny mclean was someone who in hindsight everybody recognized what a fantastic player he was with us i think i dare say lewis ferguson going forward as well but at the time you know mclean was, was similar to a player i think i got a lot of, of hassle for not necessarily producing it week in week out and i think we just have to accept that you know not every player is going to have a a, a 10 out of 10 performance with a, with a worldie every every single week they play but what clarkson definitely provides is a, a quality to his football that we wouldn't have been able to get in the squad otherwise other than by bringing him in alone um and the game the game at St Johnston for me is a perfect example of that. That if you're if you're analysing that in cold truth, that is exactly the same Aberdeen St Johnston game or St Johnston Aberdeen game as we've seen for seven or eight years. But the difference in that game is that you have a player like what Madison was able to do, who can step up, take a twenty five yard free kick and stick it in the top hand corner, and that's the difference between the two teams. So if 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 you're one you know, you can you you can go the other option and say, oh, we're going to plug our team with, you know, 11 physical athletes and then become Motherwell. Or you say, yeah, we're going to accommodate a player that has that kind of ability because we know that might make the difference. And and again, even, okay, he, I think people who say he didn't have quite a good a game as what he did last week. But even, you know, like the, the, the pass he put through for Miofsky's goal that was actually ended up getting called back from offside. I think it's just another example. It's not just those kind of worldly goals, but, but he's clearly got a lot of technical ability and he has, a, you know, he has not only the vision to see that those passes are on, but the ability to be able to produce it. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that works through. The, the other thing, if you, if you bear with me a bit further is I, 
Ramadani is definitely the four in that setup. He and in fact, despite what you say, I think he's actually the six. He's a modern day. I, I'm trying to think what the analogy is, but he's the pocket passer, the quarterback in that team. I think his role is he's going to be. I think Goodwin would prefer him to be the pivot and basically the player around which any any developing football will come out from. Um, and that is really leaving Ross McCrory, and he's doing a hell of a good job of it being the number eight and effectively being what Lewis Ferguson was being asked to, to, to be or, or maybe what he should have been more often uh, last season. And I think it was, I just thought it was kind of striking that he's, I, I know the other goal came from the League Cup games, but he's already on four goals for the season and they're obviously all outfield goals and virtually all of them have been screamers and he's actually been quite unlucky not to score a few more. Um but it doesn't make me wonder. Ramadani is the sitting there, kind of picking, picking out passes and distributing from the middle. Ross McCrory's being trusted to go, and, and quite correct, rightly so, being trusted to kind of go forward and, and maraud a bit forward. But I remember Richard, you'd mentioned a few podcasts ago whether he should have been, you know, whether his position may well have been right back. I, 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 I think he definitely should be in midfield. But my biggest concern is the further forward McCrory goes, the more you're leaving that awful gap between Anthony Stewart and Jalen Richardson and I don't know if if, that, if that's something that maybe we're just going to accept the fact that Jalen Richardson is just going to spend the entire game 10 yards further up the field than what a right back is supposed to be but um, if we're going to play like that I think you've either got to then say Jalen look you're really going to have to make an effort to try and make that 10 yards back to come and contribute and defend or you're going to ask somebody from that group to come back and track back and you know, that's why I'd probably prefer to see McCrory being deployed as, you know, a bit further back in order to kind of cover those deficiencies. But by the same token, if you push him further back, are you then losing those, you know, goal scoring opportunities by letting him run loose further up the pitch? So some interesting conundrums going forward. It is definitely a kind of risk reward thing, absolutely, with regards to how you know, what your combination of midfield is going to be, whether you're going to go with um, sort of two more ball-winning types and McCrory and Ramadani in there to complement maybe a Clarkson at 10 or are you going to ask a Clarkson or indeed a Baron when he's fit to play deeper as part of a two and free up a body elsewhere? I think there have been a couple of subtle shifts lately. I've spoken about how at the outset of the season we seem to be 2-3-5 with the ball. I think that's definitely changed a little bit in that Ramadani has been staying a a little much more obviously as a pivot player in terms of being three at the back with the ball um you know in that sort of role that ryan jack used to perform i suppose so i think there have been subtle tweaks as we go on and that's as jim goodwin learns more about his players learns more about his squad that's inevitable but yeah i i think that midfield combination is interesting because i think at his heart, I think he would rather just go with two in there, just see if he can actually have a Clarkson or a Baron alongside a Ramadani. I, I, I get that feeling, certainly for most most SPFL games. I think in the the tougher encounters, I think you can guarantee that he'll he he would play McCrory in there absolutely absolutely certainly. And you're right about his goal scoring. It is something actually uh, worth noting that uh, he's got four goals so far this season, uh, which is um, more than he he's managed up until the start of this season. He'd only managed three uh, up until the start of the season. Obviously, he played centre-back for most of last season, so it's not really a fair comparison. But um, but yeah, um, and again, a good few of those were in the, those League Cup routes. But 
impressive good finish on Saturday for the second goal which really did start a, a landslide of goals and uh, um, chief amongst those and the most eye-catching absolutely was the fourth goal Martin Clunas and um, well it's it's a beautiful ball from Johnny Hayes first off um, you know, Johnny's been in really excellent form I, I think the left side of this team is performing pretty well at the moment I think Coulson and Hayes I think they just really enjoy the hard work both of them and I think that that complements very well um beautiful ball from Hayes but it's great movement from Miofsky and I always thought that Ramirez his movement in the penalty box was brilliant and we've seen that before with like Adam Rooney and, and players like that in the recent past but the running of Boyan is causing teams real issue and it's been a long time since we've had a striker that can make those runs from deep be try and open up teams from deep also still regularly hit the target absolutely and like i mean i think we've all we can we can all say that we've been really as, as the season goes on we're becoming more and more pre- impressed with Mayovsky. um a, you know, a real find um you know a real a real good pickup for us here um and that goal <clears throat> that goal was excellent just and like you say the ball is um you're right you're totally right to pick out the left hand side of the team as well i thought hayes was i thought hayes had a really good game on Saturday as well, you know, just not just not just on the wing as well. You know, he was finding himself drifting into the middle, um, doing all sorts of damage there as well, um, and showing he really he's this season he's really showing his worth. Um, I think that he's he's getting back to you know I wouldn't say he's getting back to his best because I think you know he's like you know when we've seen when we've seen the the, the really you know the peak Johnny Hayes you know maybe of you know four or five seasons ago whatever it was um he's he's really not far not that far off of that at the moment and i think he was just he was excellent on saturday um and the, the left hand side him and colson worked just so well together but um yeah to go back to Mayoski, um the different i suppose the differences with ramirez is that you know ramirez was really good when we were having things like set pieces and things like that in the box um he was he was a kind of he was an 18 yard box um kind of striker Whereas Mayowski seems to just be able to do a do a little bit more. Um, he's able to come deep. He's able to kind of get the, the you know, chase balls over. One of the criticisms that we've you know we have leveled at Ramirez is that you know he's not exactly you know he's not the hardest of workers. I suppose we could say couldn't say that about Mayowski. Um, that guy just works his balls off, and he did that again. Did that again on Saturday, and just yeah for that for that fourth goal, just really you know brilliant ball ball to him. And just a fantastic finish, um, and you know, to find that you no, know, we've now got a striker. Um, not that I'm, and I'm not leveling a criticism at Ramirez at this at this point, this one, but you know, we've got Mayowski with six goals in six games. Um, you know, we are you know, going forward, and under yes, we can you can kind of lay all the kind of like well, it was against ten men sort of stuff, but like. We had to went to beat you know a, a stuffy a stuffy Livingston side who know how to like I said know how to shut games down, and there was that spell in the second the second half where, you know, we we just blew them away and it was we were excellent genuinely excellent and Mayowski was is key to that and you know I am really really looking forward to seeing what what we can get out of him as for the rest of this season because he's just he's just so so exciting to watch um, and. Some of his play, you know, we, we, we talk about talk about guys that are going going to the Hall of Fame. Genuinely, some of his striker pay, play reminds me a little bit of Duncan Shearer. 
Calm down, mate. Six games in. Anyway, um, I'm very glad that... Uh, Richard, yeah. <laughs> Richard, I'm going to get carried away, trust me. I had to sit, we had to sit through that shit last season. I am absolutely getting carried away. You um, cannot stop me. Yeah, you were getting carried yeah, away. Yeah, tattoo, Martin. It's always worth it. It's always worth it. <laughs> you were getting carried away at the start of last season as well, so that's a problem. Um, speak, I mean, I'm glad you tempered your criticism of Christian Ramirez there, because I'm sure Philip would have been up for fighting you in a pub car park. Uh, but... <laughs> Philip, what happens to Christian Ramirez? I mean, on reportedly six, seven k a week to not make the squad. Um, G. Emmanuel Thomas got a payoff for the last year of his five and a half thousand pounds per week deal. Are we heading for a similar parting? I don't know. I mean, I've not, I've not really seen any of the toys out the Prime Instagram stories yet. So I'm still, still, you know, quietly optimistic he'll be here because I still think he could provide something to the team. Um, but it's one of those things, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, other than, you know, the finances of Celtic and Rangers, nobody else in the league can afford to have six, six or £7,000 a week sitting on the bench or not even making a squad. So it it would be logical for him to be one of the ones um, to potentially make, make his way out before the deadline. And I think for him as well, he's probably wanting to be playing games. I mean, the, the form he was in last season... You know, he's one of the, the top scoring American strikers. Um and he he was probably eyeing up a seat on the on the plane at the World Cup potentially. So I think for his sake he he's probably wanting away somewhere where he's gonna be getting played week in, week out. Because, um, I mean there's there's still a, a good quality striker there. Um, if he's used in the right way for, for any team. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But um yeah, hopefully. I mean, I I, I think he could still offer something to, to Aberdeen. Yeah, because the problem again with revisionism, Martin Ingram, is, you know, we know his limitations. We know that he's uh, not brilliant outside the penalty box. But 16 goals last season, none of them from the penalty spot. I mean, you cannot claim that was anything other than a successful signing. Yeah, sometimes two things can be true at once. Um, I don't think there's any, from my from my side anyway, there's, there's um, an acknowledgement that Ramirez is a, a really good striker for our level of football. He scored 15 goals last season, as Philip is obviously constantly reminded as he get, when he gets up every morning. Um, but I think I can't remember if I was on the pod when I was on the when I was on the podcast beforehand that I was talking about this. But if you then weigh in the fact that Lewis Ferguson had left and penalty taking duties were up for grabs, um, had he been taking penalties last season, he'd have been comfortably into the 20s last season and there was nothing from what I saw in the early part of the season before before Miofsky got his you know visa clearances out of the way and, and was able to actually uh, join the squad and play for us he picked up a few goals and a few games in the League Cup group stages and I have no doubt that in a world where we hadn't had Miofsky I think Ramirez would have been on for a really successful season. I'm I'm pretty confident he would have ended up being a 20-goal scoring striker for us this season. Having said that, it's clear to me that Boyan is a, another level above what Ramirez would have been able to provide for us for the, the very reasons that you're talking about. He um, he he has a, a mobility to him that Ramirez doesn't have or maybe doesn't have any more it's worth bearing in mind Ramirez is in his early 30s now um Miofsky's now uh, I'm 
trying to remember what he was, 22, 23 right now. So he's still, you know, he's still yet to come into his prime right now. So, um, but, you know, he, he, I think he's probably, um, well, again, time will tell whether he's a more clinical striker in front of goal. I mean, he, we gloss over it in a 5-0, but um, and, and okay, maybe the ball was coming quite quickly, but he has just missed a header from six yards right in front of the goal in the second half. But but by the same token, the, there's like, you know, you've seen he's, he's been able to score the predatory goals where he's got in in front of defenders and stuck one away from five, six yards. He's, he's scored some of those more classic strikers finishes like we saw on Saturday where he springs an offside trap. He's comfortable enough on the ball to take the ball in stride and, and and finish quite comfortably but he also has he also has that mobility and and, and I think just in general uh, you know an overall ability he is a better striker I think than what Ramirez would be for us as a starting number nine so I think both are true I think we can acknowledge it you know I don't think Ramirez has done anything wrong well I, I mean maybe limit myself there I, I know that some of the supporters will be a bit unhappy with maybe how things panned out at the tail end of last season um when he he got a, a leave of absence a couple of weeks before the end of the season so uh, i'll maybe couch my 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 language a bit there but you know if if we'd had to go with ramirez as a starting striker i would have been perfectly happy with that but the early signs are that i think boyan is a is a level above again, and I think I I would probably agree with what a lot of other supporters are. And again, we're maybe being a bit presumptuous in relation to that, but the, but the looks of it is, it's a guy who's um, not going to be. I don't think he'll be with us for more than a few for a for a for a season or two because I think he he already looks like a guy that by twenty five or twenty six is going to be looking to be wanting to play top flight football in um, one of the top leagues. Well, I mean, if you're calling him out for missing what was a ball fired about two feet above his head at uh, very fast speed, then, you know, you're clearly a very harsh taskmaster. I can't believe you're calling him out for that one. Um, yeah, I think that is probably harsh. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I suppose before we go on to talk about any more incomings and outgoings, um, there is the red shed, very, noise, very, very, very noisy, very loud, very incessant on Saturday, um, obviously not um, always quite so vocal. It has to respond sometimes to what's happening on the pitch. But I think more or less looking from the outside, Martin and Clunas, it seems to be an overwhelming success, I would say. Um, a good initiative, but maybe still a few things to iron out. Yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, you know, from from where you know, I don't sit, I'm not in. I don't stand in there. I'm in the south stand. But for the Saturday, um, you, you know, from what you've read this season, I would say, um, there's obviously been some teething problems. You know, they've put up the the bar at the front, and then they'll say put the but the sort of seat, the the bigger seat covers over, and there was a bit of an issue with that. Um, and now they've changed it again. But of course, at the last game, there was talk that the flags had been banned, um, and. Some of the stuff you read online does seem to be that there's someone at the club, let's just say the stadium manager, who seems to have a bit of a problem and seems to be putting things in the way of the, the guys that are trying to create um, the atmosphere in the red shed. Um, but Saturday, it seemed to be that everything, they're, they're starting to get close to getting everything right with it. Um, not spoken to any of the guys who are sort of the, the kind of the organisers, the ringleaders, whatever you want to call it, or that. So I don't know what their opinions on it are, but. From the from from where I am from the outside looking in, it looks like they're starting to get get things right, um, and that can only be a good thing. And yes, Saturday was Saturday is what you want you want to see. 
you want to see loads of noise, colour, um, you know, get back, get behind the team. You want, well, you want to see that from all around the stadium, but you no, know, th- th- that section has been set aside for you know the louder, whatever you want to call it, you know, section of support. Um, and so it start, it is starting to hopefully work. Um, and I do hope that just going forward, that the club do do work with work alongside these people because we've read, I have, you've read a lot of stuff. Where you no know, kind of barriers have been put in, no, not actual barriers, but barriers have been put in the way of the people that are trying to organise it. And I understand there's things like you know, whatever your opinions are on pyro and all this kind of stuff um, that the club are going to try and are going to clamp down on. I understand that, but in terms of just doing the right things and you no know, supporting the team within the kind of confines of whatever you know Scottish football restrictions are there, um, it seems to be it's 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 going brilliantly at the moment. Philip, um, I mean, again, looking from the outside, from my perspective, it seems that they finally reached a kind of tipping point in terms of young guys who are going to go there and going to make noise. I think the the first few months of it, obviously, again, it's impacted by what we're watching on the pitch. But the first few months, there seem to be too many, I don't know if you classify them as tourists, maybe that a little bit unfair, but guys who just wanted to go there to stand but not really contribute to, you know, what the intention of that end was. Sections like that, for the most part, are always going to get like like you described, sort of the more touristy ones, um, which are just kind of there for the the photo opportunities and and feeling like they're part of it. But I think on Saturday, I mean, much like Martin, my my season tickets in the south stand, and um, it looked and sounded sounded great from where I was. Um, you can you can see things are starting to click. Um, obviously, like like we've we've all seen the gripes that um people who, who are organising it have had on um, Twitter and whatnot. Um, so hopefully, I mean, the club continues to support, well, tries to support in, in, in the ways they can um, and improving it. And if we keep shooting that way as well, you know, it seems to be a, a good sort of party atmosphere in the second half, especially when we're, we're putting forward past the keeper at that end, um, which always helps. But I've noticed that there, there might be the chance of a bit of division. I, I did see a little bit on Twitter earlier on before we... Um, before we start recording about this and you know you're not ultras Aberdeen but I am ultras Aberdeen and I think that that was always the issue with the red shed early on um and I think it's something that we need to try and step away from you know it has to be as, as unified as it can be for it to be a sort of loud noisy boisterous success which obviously everybody wants it to be and um, so hopefully going forward it it um, becomes less of us and them with, with aspects of yeah i think that that is an important point but we are Aberdeen fans and uh, disunity is what we do uh, martin ingram as much as yeah th- there's still going to be people calling out the stadium manager or whatever for for not acquiescing to absolutely everything i suppose the, the two sort of sets of people here that deserve credit for this being a success are the club for wanting this to happen and finding a space for it to happen and absolutely front and centre, the people who right from the start have been, and you know, it's been the young team, who right from the start, who have just kept singing, kept going, kept going and kept going and they're finally getting a bit of reward for their efforts. Yeah, and congratulations to them all for pushing so hard for this. Um, I mean, yeah, you have to give credit where it's due as well because in, in when Dave Cormack first came in to post as chairman of the club, I think the red shed was actually one of the the quickest things that he moved on, and 
Um, I think, okay, there's been a lot, you know, there's been some teething, and I think some of it has been, you know, the, the, the club's own issue with regards to how they've managed it. But other than some of the teething uh, issues around it, I think for the most part, it's been a resounding success right from, right from the outset. And it's so important um, to have a section of the ground where, uh, again, well, I'm making an assumption it's going to be the younger supporters. I dare say it's the kind of thing that we might have been involved. I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't group Philip in with the rest of us, but it's the kind of thing that we might have been keen to be involved in 10, 20 <laughs> years ago. Higher, um, higher. <laughs> um, but again, I, you know, I'm, I'm usually the South stand, and I think it's fantastic to be within. It's, it's kind of one of the things where they talk about, you know, um, it's better to be um, what look looking at the main thing from away rather than being in it itself. I'm sure it's fantastic. It's a great atmosphere being in the Red Shed, but I really enjoy being at the the end of the South Stand and and and, and watching the the chaos and furl in front of us. So, uh, and and the other thing is, I mean, I, I would like to think the club could be a little less heavy-handed because again, and on a on a bad day where we've just got beaten. Um, by a, an odd goal by Motherwell, and then the social media responses are, oh, well, there's a few people that have been, you know, we think they've been a little bit naughty and could you all try and behave ourselves? Uh, yet, the moment we have a great atmosphere, um, you know, on the Saturday, our social media team are also, and, and rightly, very quick then to, you know, put out video footage of the, 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 the Ultras Aberdeen and um, and make a big play of it. And, and I think it's been the same. It's, it's been like that for years. I remember back at, you know, um, someone like Mezzanine and, and some of the other people that have been involved with trying to put together some of the displays at Aberdeen will probably have similar stories and where they've tried to have displays and the likes put, put up with the ground and have met with issues either from the club or from external agencies like Police Scotland. And, and yet again, I remember the first thing that happened when we won the League Cup um, or after we won the League Cup at, at Part Red was the, you know, the, the entire back wall of the ticket um, office had that stadium mural laid out all across it. So the club are very quick to capitalise on these things when it suits them and then, but often often a blocker when there's, there's issues that they perceive. But... Um, um, credit where it's due for for the most part I think it's been working really well and, and, and hopefully we're now at a position where that's now, I think the red shed is now pretty much cemented now for for as long as we're cemented in Pataudry at least um, and long may it continue Yeah I suppose my chief gripe with it from the outset was that you know I think what, it, what was happening sort of up by the fence in the south stand sort of had happened organically as in that's where the people that were certain saying congregated and it happened organically I, I thought that the red shirt might feel a little bit um, manipulated manufactured but again it's credit to those young those guys in the young team who week in week out went and made the noise no matter what was happening on the pitch no matter what's happening around them in that stand and you know it snowballed and i think I think there has to be some credit to the club for the initiative. I think clearly you're going to run into um, some of the licensing duties that the club have, and that sometimes is going to be difficult to negotiate. But really, I think the majority of the credit is to the sort of, and I think you're looking at no more than about 20 or 30, um, just folk that have made it happen through sheer willpower and force of effort. So hats off to them. 
Um, so um, before we double back and talk about Annan on Tuesday night, transfer window comes to a close on Thursday. Uh, 11 players in so far. Um, where do we think there might still be gaps to be covered, Philip? Yeah, um, I think there's still definitely room for, for a couple to come in. I think Gudrun has mentioned one or two. Um, that's his sort of ideal number to, to make their way in before the deadline. So I think really we're probably looking at maybe one defensive cover at um, centre-half. I think we're kind of a bit thin on the ground there. And um, as we sort of alluded to earlier with the whole Clarkson debate, um, it's potentially a more out-and-out creative 10. Um, someone who's, who's really defined as, as playing that role just behind behind Miofsky. Um But other than that, I think, you know, there, there's, there's got to be some, some credit given to Goodwin and the sort of scouting staff and, um, you know, the director of football and, and bringing in the players which we have. Because, I mean, this is probably for as long as I can remember one of the better windows we've had in terms of every player we have brought in seems to feel like they have a role and there's a purpose behind their signing and it's not just a panic to sign for signing's sake um, so I, I think we've done pretty well to build a, a pretty solid squad which is a, a very good balance between sort of your more experienced stable heads of Scottish football and um and sort of more, more youthful, exciting, you know, potential profit-making players as well. Uh, Martin Clunas, the um, the name that will still be mentioned, didn't make the Wolves squad uh, at the weekend. I would be surprised if he makes the um, the Wolves 25 uh, when they have to be submitted um, on Thursday. Is obviously Connor Ronan. Yeah, he seems to be the one that um, we're making all the noise about. I suppose, I suppose before we move along, we must really say... Um, um, you know, we really, we really lost out on Jamie McGrath, didn't we? He's just flying um, with the club he's chose to join. So, um, good luck to the lad there. You know, I mean, obviously we're a loser. You're getting as him. bad as the chairman. <laughs> hey, no, look, hey, we were, we were, we were linked with him, and he chose somewhere else. And then, yeah, I hope he, I hope he enjoyed that that one European game. Um, really hope he enjoyed the wee trip um, because I'm not bitter. That's that's all. Um, so yeah, Connor Ronan. <laughs> um, He's the one that he's the one that's getting all the kind of chat in the world. You know, everybody's looking to see the see on a Saturday um, or a Sunday whenever Wolves are playing. If he's got, if he's in the squad, you no. Know, I think we looked at the. I think they were in the EFL Cup the other night. Um, so keeping an eye on that as well. So he's not, he's not gonna he's not gonna make their their, their big squad. So he's got, they're going to be looking to move him out. And you know, as you say, it it it, it transfer window shuts on Thursday. So now, well, they say now probably after the game tomorrow. Against Annan, we'll probably see starts up, see, see it kind of stepping up, kind of chatting with. will be these kind of teams, these bigger English Premier League teams, will then start to look and move move out all their fringe players. Um, so I would imagine, you know, that's the sort of thing. I mean, we'll obviously be looking to move some bodies out as well. Um, you know, obviously we've spoken about spoken about Ramirez um, earlier. I imagine there'll be a few, be at least a couple others moving out. So, you know, just to kind of cover. Uh, what will be coming in, but Ronan does seem to be the does does seem to be the attractive one, you know. I mean, on the flip side, you know, you probably got to expect. I think you know, loans going out the other way. I mean, I don't know who's going to who's going to take our um, players full, the permanently off of us. Uh, but you look at Watkins, Connor McLennan, as looks like the latest winner of the Kami Smith Award. 
and that you know we wanted him to do brilliantly for us, but it's just it's just not going to happen. So I would assume you know Connor McLennan is probably the next one. Um, he's you know he looks like he's got loan to I don't know St Johnston or something written all over him, which is a shame. Um, but sadly, that's that's how it is. We just you know you need to kind of you need to keep you know you can't have these guys stand sitting around you know not being in the match day squad. Um, it's a shame, um, and particularly if you want to bring in as Philip says, he said. And Jim Goodwin says about bringing in two. Um, so if he's bringing in two, you're probably looking at three or four heading out as well because the squad is is quite big at the moment. Yeah, other Martin. Um, yeah, there are some people who are in that squad of 25 uh, who are in and about the first team squad. Um, and Jim Goodwin's on record as saying he wants to carry 22. So if you are talking about one more, if you're talking about two more, that's five heads who are going out i mean some of them were permanent ones some of the more experienced ones we've spoken about ramirez mclennan marley watkins perhaps uh don't really know what's happened with david bates more personally what about the likes of ryan duncan who obviously got his first goal on uh saturday and now went a fortune about it but he won't care one jot about that um does he see a loan move to get some valuable minutes in beating me to the punch that was exactly the person i had in mind when we were talking about ins and outs um because i i quite like the idea of if, if jim jim goodwin is talking about a 22 i i, I personally prefer having a tight ship i i would prefer a, a tighter squad and it's for the very reason that if you get a situation like you do on saturday where um you're comfortably ahead in the second half i think it's the ideal opportunity so rather than having a bench which is bloated with you know, and again, I mean, I don't, I don't mean this in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a bad way, but just because clearly their, their, their futures are no longer with the club, at least in terms of what where Goodwin lies out. But again, I don't see if if there isn't a future for the likes of Ramirez or Bates or McLennan, um, I would rather that those slots on the bench are are vacated for some of the younger players in order to be able to get that opportunity to impress and. Um, that's exactly what Ryan did. Um, and it's difficult because I think you could argue both ways in in terms of would it be better that he gets a loan spell or would it, would it be better if he stays here? My, my preference would be, I, I'm one of, one of the very few supporters that probably would think we don't actually, I don't, I would, I would prefer if we'd stuck with the squad that we have, not, notwithstanding the, the guys that um, Philip and Martin have already mentioned that all, that all look pretty likely to go out the door. Um, one way or another um but if that left us with the squad of around about 22 23 that we already have I, i'm actually pretty happy with what we've got right now um and and for that very reason i, I would prefer there to be room within the squad for someone like ryan duncan to be able to get opportunities with the first team and show what they can do um because what has happened all too often in the past is um guys have taken those opportunities and have actually shown glimpses of what they can do like what ryan duncan did on saturday i mean you know you think of guys who had great starts with the opportunities we were afforded like bruce anderson or 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 frank ross and and then they were never seen or heard of again at least within at least within the aberdeen setup um but it depends on what Goodwin wants to do, because if he does bring in another couple of players and they then take up those roles on the bench, then there's no point in holding on to Ryan Duncan if he's not going to get those opportunities. So so it really depends on what Goodwin wants to do. If he is going to bring in an additional 
attacking midfielder or additional or a couple of players and it means that Duncan isn't going to get those opportunities yeah, then I, it would be he would better serve to be going on loan and I think so what, I think what, do you, Bannon, what do you think then because I mean Ryan Duncan got game some game time in all the League Cup games after those games were after we were a couple of goals ahead in all those games and we needed to be 4-0 up before he got his first league minutes under Goodwin on uh, on Saturday and that's without the likes of Callum Callum Roberts available obviously to him um, and he was fifth sub do you think he's going to get meaningful minutes this season is basically the question to, to merit him staying here if you asked me I would say we don't bring we shouldn't bring anyone else in we we run with the squad that we have I'll say stick with the squad we have as in don't bring in any additional players I'm assuming we're going to try and move on the likes of Ramirez and Bates and McLennan and possibly Watkins as well and then I would be keeping Ryan Duncan and giving opportunities in the squad because um, as where it's going to come to Connor Bannett Connor Baden. Connor Baden is kind of like the poster child for both options because, because he, he was sent away for a loan and did really and did do him really well and was at Kelly Hearts as well but also when he was given the opportunity to team he really grasped it with two hands and and it was only you know it was only fitness issues that saw him out of the team afterwards so um if if Goodwin is keeping that tight squad I would prefer Duncan getting meaningful game time so in the same way as how he seems to be looking to use the likes of Duke and Morris where you might not be starting every week but if he's going to be making you know if he's going to be introducing three or four players into the team throughout and and then as as we all know throughout the course of a season opportunities are going to arise through injuries and suspensions in any event so i think if with the squad as it is i think there's enough quality in the squad right now and i think duncan has shown the enough from what from what we've seen so far to be given that opportunity well, who knows? You might get an opportunity tomorrow night because um, Aaron, second bottom of League Two right now, four points from first five games, really gone off the boil a little bit since uh, their impressive group stage performance. Martin Cleaners, do you think he's going to risk a little bit of rotation tomorrow? I think it was you earlier in the pod that said we might see a bit of an experimental midfield tomorrow. Um, I think that's personally unlikely, but what do you reckon? I mean... There's a there's a possibility you'll make you might make one or two changes. Um, I don't think it's going to be you know he's going to go kind of crazy with a you know tr- trying something vastly different. Um, this is a t- this is a type of game where you just kind of I'm not saying you know, you know first first choice eleven steamroll them in the first twenty minutes and then see what you can do, um, but you know. This is the sort of thing where, yeah, you're right to say like this is a part, potentially a time for Ryan Duncan to get some get some minutes if you're, you know, if you're want to have a, if he wants to have a proper look at him, what you would what you would learn from him playing against a team that are second bottom of League Two, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, so it's it is a bit of a tricky one, um, and it's it, so that is it is just one of these situations where you look at the you look at the game and you just you can uh, you, you you play, you know, you're you're just kind of the the the, the the backbone of your of your best team um and maybe drop in one or two others that you're looking to give some time to maybe um uh just name it's gone Shaden Morris some of him um that's maybe a chance for him to start um see what he can do um in one of these types of games uh, but I don't think we'll see a massive a massive flip flip over of of players but you know we should be you know we should be look, looking to 
get a look at at least one or two guys. If 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 these guys are going to be going out and loan, this is a chance to have a look at them first and see, you know, maybe it makes a decision whether they whether he does want to keep them or whether he wants to get them out um and get them get them actual minutes at a, a loan at maybe a championship club or whatever. Philip, what do you reckon? It's been a relatively injuries notwithstanding, relatively settled first eleven, even including those League Cup group stage games. I, I cannot see him changing tack now. I mean, realistically, we can win two tournaments. You don't want to jeopardise your progress in this competition by uh, messing things up too much. No, I mean, I, I don't think you want to totally overhaul um, the starting eleven. But I think you know Goodwin probably will want to maybe sort of I want to say sort of assess. I mean, it's sort of similar to my part. I mean, you can't really assess too much against the League 2 side. No offence to Anna, but obviously it's not against the level of opponent you're playing week in, week out. Um, so I think there will be some rotation comes in. Um, like I say, I mean, it'd be quite interesting to see the likes of Duke and Morris coming in from the start. I mean, we've only really seen them against laggy defenders um, for like the last half hour, so it'd be quite nice to see what they're like off the bat. Um, and obviously, you know, players like Duncan have sort of merited maybe getting a a, a good cameo more than 10 minutes um, as well. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, and even players like Jack McKenzie, you know, um, I mean, you might do half and half with, with Coulson if he's fit. Um, depending on the sort of level of knock he took on, on Saturday. But I think it's one of those ones where you, you don't want to, you don't want to make too much and you know you don't want to be like a Man City and make eleven changes in the cup, um, and uh, potentially you know stumble a little bit, and then be forced to just bring on the likes of Miowski, etc., despite trying to rest them. Um, I think it'll be an in- interesting tie. Um, I think the travel will probably play a big part into it as well. Obviously, you've got Annan on the Tuesday, then up to Dingwall on the Saturday. So, um, I suppose all depends on freshness and um how thick then sees the squad being for a, a Tuesday Saturday. Yeah, well, Martin Ingram, it was at this stage last season uh, that we got knocked out, and that was a, a first 11 that had multiple changes. Yeah, I think Jim Goodwin will use that as a, a timely reminder of how things can suddenly turn against you. I mean, if you cast your mind back, um, you know, the team that Stephen Glass took to play Wraith was a side that had, I think we'd got through or about, or at least we're about to get through a couple of rounds of Europe. We'd won our two, first two league games. Um, and I think there was a lot of positive, positivity around. And I think while there's obviously no guarantee that things would have been any different had we got through the that League Cup tie, you could, you could argue the portents of doom started out with effectively making a number of changes, maybe taking that result for granted and 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 things coming a cropper. So, uh, yeah, now is not the time to take the foot off the gas, I think. And especially given the fact that we don't have... I mean, that, that might have been the one thing you could have excused for, 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 for Glass at that time, is we were still involved in European competition. Um, that is something, sadly, we... We, we we won't have to worry about this time. And I, I, sh- I can't be the, the only person that thinks... Uh, and, and while I know that Aberdeen wouldn't have gotten that third place, we hadn't, we hadn't been third in the league for a number of seasons, but it is a bit grinding to know that we'd been 
finishing in European spots, you know, seven or eight consecutive seasons in. And then the moment Hearts manage to get themselves together for one season and get the third spot, all of a sudden they're literally falling into a, a group stage place in, in Europe. So um, uh, I will admit to being slightly envious and jealous of the fact they're effectively um, reaping the benefits of other clubs' successes um, in, in Europe this season. But we can only take care of our own business now. So we're, so yeah, so, you know, I don't think our calendar is so chalk of fixtures that we should be thinking about wholesale squad rotation. There may well be some natural changes as, as alluded to, if, if, if we're, if we're not wanting to take any chances with the likes of uh, Coulson or Clarkson with any knocks that he picked up, then I'm more than happy with making two or three changes in order to accommodate that. But um, I would like us to be putting as close to a first team uh, or, or as close to what Goodwin could consider his first 11 as possible. Ah, it's just the usual heart cycle of disappointment. As soon as, soon as, as, sure as night follows day, uh, this upswing in hearts finishing third last season will be followed within about five or six years by relegation and probably another massive financial problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's nothing sure in Scottish football um, other than penalties to the home side at Ibrox. Um, just on our notes here for tonight, I've got usual misguided squawking about a plastic pitch. So that means I must turn to Martin for this. What do you, what do you want me to say again? Um, I would like you to make some usual misguided squawking oh, about yeah. a plastic pitch. I, I, it's been, um, I can't remember. It's been it's been so long since we since we did because we did. Because we didn't do something at the end of last season, I've, forgot, I've forgotten what the usual speeches are. Yeah, you've got to be careful. I mean, you know, some of the older players have got to be a bit more careful with their Okay, needs. that's fine. That'll do. That'll do. Excellent. Um, one of the joys of these uh, early League Cup uh, rounds, early Cup rounds, full stop, is uh, away ties like uh, this one tomorrow night. Um, the opportunity to uh, visit small towns, stand on terraces, uh, hopefully watch your team knocking a few goals, touch wood. Um, there's only a couple now, current league sides, uh, that we haven't faced competitively, and they are mostly sides that have just come up into the leagues in the last couple of years. So the, the list is currently Cove, Kelty, Bonnie Rose, and the, re- the reformed Airdrie. Um, so I guess the question is, um, I'm asking you to, hopefully you did your homework for this and, and taught it up beforehand, because it could be be some long pauses here but i want to know how many of uh, how many of the grounds have you been to uh, so starting with philip much like most of my school years i didn't do my homework um i, I actually haven't done that much to be honest um i've only done a handful for, for for most of my sort of teenage years where i would have been you know trying to go to days with my friends i, I worked weekends in a shop so i was my manager was nice enough to let me off on on aberdeen home home games but um Away games, I was usually just watching a dodgy, dodgy stream with um, Russian milfs in my area um, on my phone behind the hotel. <laughs> ah, the, the the perils of Saturday working, but also the benefits of modern technology. Um, exactly, Martin Ingram. Well, I got this homework at incredibly short notice, but I did. As we've been chatting, I I quickly uh, went to have a look at the. Uh, list of current Scottish Premier League football clubs and did a quick tally. So I think I was at 34 out of 42. Um, That's pretty good. So, That's pretty good. And sadly, sadly, Annan's one of the ones I've never been to. So I, I, I imagine I might be in the same. I mean, don't get me wrong, but a, a number of our support that have done 
more potentially even the full potentially also have the full house and indeed a number of us probably have been to grounds of clubs that are no longer here anymore like ibrox um but um in 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 terms of my hit list yeah this is the one that always i i, I always the one thing I always enjoy about the League Cup and Scottish Cup is the opportunity to go to grounds that I've never had a chance to go to before. Um, I sadly won't be able to go tomorrow night. I'll work commitments meant I wouldn't be able to do it anyway, but I dare say the priority points would have kicked me out in any event. Um, I was I was trying to work out, you know, how 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 do you get to above three hundred priority points these days? I I, rem- I remember years and years ago back when. The, the, the Aberdeen shareholding opportunity came about and I got I got hold of shares and one of, one of the things although I think you know most of us just do, as, as with anything we just do it because we love the club and it, it, it wouldn't have mattered if there was any benefit that came out of it or not but um, but one of the things I did think at the time was oh well once I have a shareholding it means I'll always be able to get hold of tickets for like these really sought after games and I checked on my account and it's worth like 20 points <laughs> and and the priority so the first the first range is like over 300 and I, I don't I don't grudge it at all people people if however you manage to get hold of 300 points i think you must have to well perform personal favors for I, chairman. i, I right believe that, that i believe that these the ticket sales for this actually did go to general sale eventually oh, well, eventually okay, so um so frankly i'm not having that as an excuse martin secondly <laughs> you are you are still getting 20 points every season for your uh for that's your shareholding so uh you know over the um, long haul since 1995 it's it's probably worked out pretty well in terms of that goes uh, but, <laughs> no, but no i mean it's obviously a thorny topic the whole issue of um priority points and a distribution and the whole dna thing um but uh, you got to decide it somehow i suppose but uh, but no i mean this one did go to general sale and obviously the distances are going to put a lot of people off on a tuesday night yeah i don't begrudge it at all as i say it would have been just from work commitments it would it would have been a write-off for me in any event but um i've always i've always enjoyed i remember taking it i now I used to live down in the borders at this time so it was a lot more easy but even getting to i remember a league couple away to Stranraer um a number of seasons ago and even getting to Stranraer from like well gala shields is where i was there took hours it was across that there's this road that goes across from i think it's like selkirk to dumfries and actually literally has free ranging sheep that go across the road so that took hours in and of itself so a- anybody that's uh taking the time to do a four-hour trip down annan and back um i'm sure they'll all enjoy it immensely and hopefully hopefully the the result will uh uh, reward them as much as a trip as well, but yeah, it was, it's it's um, it, it would have been one I'd have loved to have go, gone to if I'd had the opportunity because I do like to chalk these grounds off the list when I get the opportunity. But um, uh, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic trip for those that are able to make the journey. Yeah, Martin, it's the it's the whole thing, isn't it? It's the uh, it's the ground, it's the terraces, it's the the catering at the grounds. Oh, the soup I had at Stenhouse Muir a couple of seasons ago, I can still remember that. Um, the small town pubs, it's everything about the experience, isn't it? It really is. You know, you've hit the nail on the head there with like the terraces. I mean, I'm still banging on about the pies we had at Forfar. What was it? Twenty twelve was it? I think we played them in the cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even all t- ten years later, I'm still banging on about how sensational the pies were. Um, even I think like Dunfermline, the steak, the steak Brady, brilliant. I want us to get, I want us to get a game against away at Dunfermline at some point. It's all stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's that's what the kind of the early rounds of the cup are for as well. I mean, obviously you kind of you want to avoid the usual, you want to avoid the banana skin, blah 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 sort of thing. Uh, but it's getting away. I mean, I did I did do my homework as well, and I think quite shamefully, I think I'm only on, I think I'm on twenty four. 
I was trying. I was looking at it. I've actually quite shamefully. I've not been to Cove, Cove's ground since they moved. Um, imagine, imagine that. Given that for the last what three seasons we've sponsored, spon- <laughs> helped help sponsor a women's pl- one of the women's players, and I've ma- not managed to get to Cove Rangers Stadium. Um, you're missing out on the Balmoral Pie. If you're wanting well, pies, the Balmoral Pie is well, that's it, yeah. That's all I'm hearing. I'm hearing about this fantastic pie that I've just never, never managed to get to. So um, the next one I'm going to have to check off the list is going to be is going to be Cove. Um, yeah, Philip, I'm excited about model pies too. I, 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 I'm convinced that this is a myth because I've been to a number of the Aberdeen women's games and I normally get through and, and quite often five or ten minutes before kickoff and they're never on sale. Um, and I don't know if they're just so popular that they've been eaten before I ever get ever get a chance, or if they, they, they don't bequeath the honour of a ball model pie to non Cove games or what's going on. Well, there. That's all I'm they'll... thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking is is Baxter's story maybe doing the catering at the women's games if they've got the contracts? So I'm pretty oh, sure it's McGinty's and Coves, like they're they're I, catering and the Balmoral. I don't pie know. Usually, the catering's still coming out of the same wee porty kind of cabin place, so I'd be really stunned if they're insisting on a Baxter story uh, release for that. I, I think it is still the same fare, but there definitely wasn't a Balmoral pie in it. The, the, the only other thing I was going to comment is that there's something primeval about the, the, the experiences that people are getting. Cause I'm hearing uh, Richard and Martin talking about the, the cuisine, which is on uh, available at grounds. It's, it's how warm or, 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 or what lack of warmth I get from grounds that I always remember. Um, Gayfield away at Arbroath in the Scottish Cup was one of the coldest experiences I've ever had in my life and then similarly I remember and I can't remember if it was Scott, I think it was early in the Scottish Cup but Aloe Athletic away and it poured down biblical proportions of rain all the way through the match and I just remember at half time this forlorn attempt to go into a port cabin toilet and wipe myself down with tissue before going out and getting <laughs> pissed on for another 45 minutes they're, they're the things i remember yeah exposure to the elements is definitely something that scottish football will uh, will lead you to uh i am still throwing out from that afternoon at gayfield absolutely um and uh, i believe that's one of the nicer afternoons they've had there uh, in the recent history um speaking of pubs on saturday it's a return to the mallard um also other uh, Dingwall establishments are available. Uh, Kenny have had some awkward fixtures in their first five, but they're desperately in search of a win to kickstart their campaign. It, it strikes me, Martin Ingram, that um, thus far this season their performances have probably been better than their results. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen obviously too much from Ross County other than what you see in the sports scene highlights, but I, I think by all accounts they they have been playing really well. I think they. You know, obviously, had 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 they got ten men as they should have against Rangers on Saturday, it might have been looking at a completely different outlook then. But I remember early on in the season, they I think they were away at Hearts, and I think they they gave them an awful lot of problems before Hearts ultimately ended up coming on top. And um, I think they're a team that they'll be they they I think they have a lot of confidence. They had a really successful season, obviously, last year, and their most recent memory of, of Aberdeen will be uh, making it into the top six at our expense at Pataudry. So I don't think there'll be any shortage of confidence from Ross County when, when that comes around. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's another of, we, we seem to have had after, we, we obviously had the hardest possible start with, you know, opening the, 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 the league season at uh, uh, Parkhead. But after that, it's, 
I think this is going to be kind of tailing out the run of games, which were matches, you know, the, the three home games we've had, and then Aston Johnson matches that were, you know, against teams that had done well last season. But, you know, if we were looking to show signs of progression, we'd probably be looking to, to get wins out of. So I think this will be our, another good test of where we're at. And it would be good to see how we do in a match, you know, I mean, you know, it'd be fantastic if Ross County managed to get somebody sent off as well and we can pummel some some other team with 10 men. But, um, you know, it would be it would be good to see how we perform against a team that had, you know, again, they had a really good campaign last season. And although the results maybe haven't have gone for them so far this year, it, it does sound as if they've performed pretty well in their matches so far. So I think it'll be a good test, and especially with it being in Dingwall, um, if, we, if we were able to get... Uh, three points out of that one then I think it would be um, obviously depending on the performance but I think that would be a, another good indicator that things were going in the right direction and Philip it is that momentum uh, that's important obviously it would be three league wins in a row for the first time since December if we were to win uh, and it's points on the board early in the campaign it, it's really key I, I look at Hearts as like serious rivals for third obviously and they're ahead of us at the moment they're going to be tied up playing Thursday nights for the next couple of months. And as it stands, it's doubtful, I think, that they have the squad depth to really come through that unscathed. I think they tried to chop and change on on Sunday uh, and eventually had to rely on the big guns to, to pull them through that match against St Johnston. So I think it's an opportunity to make hay in this first part of the season. Um, and, you know, really kind of set us up for the rest of the campaign. And that starts with... I suppose, getting on an early season run and picking up another three points at Dingwall on Saturday. We've seen time and time again how, how momentum affects seasons. I mean, last year was a prime example for us. Um, you know, we just couldn't get out of a bad spell and, you know, it came back to bite us in a, in a bottom half finish. Um, so I think we really need to kind of hammer home when we're playing well. We, we have been recently um, with the anomaly of, of Motherwell. But... Um, I think Dingwall's always a tough place to go. County's always a tough team, in my opinion, to play against. I mean, even when they're playing bad, they're always a pretty well-organised side. Um, so it's by no means going to be an easy game, but um, I think we should should be looking to win it. Um, and like you say, even even just for the case of trying to hammer home um, any advantage we might have over Hearts, um, their, their squad's looking quite thin. Um, and I think they're going to drop points in silly games, um, much much like we've done in our past. Um, you know the the games you'd probably expect us to win, and you, this season you'll be expecting Hearts to win, and you'll probably see some some sort of lackluster half minute energized performances. But um, I'm I'm looking forward to Saturday. Um, I'm I'm not going, but um, you know uh, it's usually usually a good travelling support we bring bring up to Dingwall, so. And if they can get behind the team, I could hopefully see us putting in another, another solid display. Yeah, Martin, that, that away form, again, huge Achilles heel last season, huge reason for our struggles over the past few seasons. The win at St Johnston, a little bit fortunate. Um, again, just healing the damage, I suppose, over the last couple of seasons means going to these venues, being solid and winning. It does, aye. I mean, look, the fact that we've got an away game, a game that, like, at Annen, where we should be winning. Um, and so you want to get on, get these games, get on the road, 
uh, and be you know going to other teams' grounds and winning. Um, and yeah, healing is exactly the exactly the right term I think to use there. Um, you know, we need we need to be, we need to start improving that in a way form. Away form used to be something that we kind of took for granted, to be honest. Um, so we need to we need to get back to that as well. I mean, look, no, let's not let's not get get away from it. The home and away form wasn't great last season, um, but um, you know you'd like to think that at home it kind of takes care of itself. Um, so you, when you're going to places um, like Dingwall um, and McDermott Park and that, you know, you want to think you know get games on the road that. You know, with with the kind of with the squad we have and the players we have, you know, on paper you should be winning. Um, you know, guarant obviously upsets will happen, but um, it's it really is. I would you know you can if you can get your away form going as well, then then you can put a run together uh, and be at the top of the top end of the table. And like we've mentioned about Hearts, there, you know, Hearts, I, I Hearts are you no know, that squad. Phillips right, that squad is is really is super thin. Um, and I think they're going to struggle with that. You know, they're going to struggle with that Thursday, Thursday, Sunday, um, constant, constant rotation. So, at this early point in the season as well, kind of makes it a bit, kind of makes it even more annoying. Obviously, that Motherwell result at home. But if we can start putting in a, a good run of results together, particularly with getting the away form back to where we have had it before, um, every reason to be positive. Yeah, just think how carried away you'd currently be if we'd uh, won that uh, Motherwell match. Uh, but on the away form, three away <laughs> wins from 24 games last season. Uh, the lowest number of uh, away wins since 1948-49. Um, uh, we've already, obviously, uh, bolstered somewhat by the League Cup group stage. We've already had three away wins this season. Uh, last season's total of three included one in Iceland uh, as well as uh, two in the league. Now, um, that is our show for this week. So my thanks to Martin Ingram. Martin, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Ms. To Philip Mayer. Thank you very much for having me. And to Martin Clunas. Cheers, Rich. Uh, we'll be back maybe next week maybe not who knows we'll be back we'll be back that's all you need to know we'll be back uh, and uh, hopefully on the back of uh, another 5-0 Dons win that would be lovely wouldn't it uh, until then come on you Reds <laughs> <laughs>